paint your hell? Going to a retail clothing store, having to try on everything and nothing fits. So that's that's one element. That's what you have to do every day. Every day you have to go. And every day you have hope that something will fit and it doesn't. Is there a specific store and is there a specific thing you're shopping for? Mm, there is not. I mean, in my mind right now, what I'm picturing is a Kohl's. Okay, sure. <laughs> and there is not. You're just trying to find something that fits and nothing does. Okay. So that's like a daily task that you have to do. Mm-hmm. What else? There's never... It's it, it's so boring. You have to... Every meal is like... Would be so good if it had just like a little bit of salt. Okay. Okay. There is no salt. <laughs> but they're not terrible meals. They're like no, acceptable. They're like, yeah. Huh. Correct. Okay. It's not disgusting. You're like, this could be good. If only. That to me is much worse than something that's just flat out bad. Because of the expectations, because you're getting your hopes up. Yeah, I, th- I think my hell. What I'm really the common theme is you have hope, and then it's just dashed every day <laughs> in every way. <laughs> These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I am a comedian who survived a coma and won't shut up about it. My guest this week is also a comedian, Ariel Elias. Ariel is a friend. She's a a new and an old friend. Uh, We met maybe seven-ish years ago. Uh, She was visiting, doing comedy in Chicago, uh, we met in that way that people new to comedy do and are excited and did some uh, some weird sets together. And then randomly over the pandemic, she tweeted, does anyone want to start a Survivor podcast with me? Because I have some thoughts. And I watched all 40 seasons at that time of Survivor in four months. So I also had thoughts. And... Now we're in the process of starting a Survivor podcast. So that's the part of the news of this episode is I'm talking to Ariel and we're starting a Survivor podcast. The podcast is called It's a Fucking Stick. There is nowhere you can check it out yet. Uh, probably we'll put the first episode or so in, the, uh, in this feed. So I'll make that available there. Uh, but otherwise, follow her at the links in the show notes. She is a fantastic stand-up. I'm really excited to hopefully introduce some of you to her. If you would like to support this show, keep it going. You can go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr and get bonus content, bonus art. I just don't like saying content, but bonus art. Everything I release on the Patreon is high art. Um, And you can get your name shouted out like all the pigeon level subscribers, Kurt Chang, Susie Carroll, Fred Fidoa, and Katie Llewellyn. And otherwise, if you're listening right now and you enjoy the show, if this is your first time and you get to the end and you enjoy it, please review it on your podcast app or better yet, tell a friend that keeps this going and allows us to enjoy each other's company every week. 
But without further ado, please enjoy this episode of This Is Your Afterlife with Ariel Elias. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like... What do you hope happens when you die? Have you ever... Well, you have. You've fainted before, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I hope it feels like that when you faint. Like, it's... And not, not right before, because that's the worst. But once you've passed out, once you've lost consciousness, I feel like my brain feels so free to explore the universe. Um, I feel like when my visions, when I faint, are very like planetary. And I hope it's that. I hope hope you just get to explore the universe in your subconscious. So you explore the actual, like existing universe? universe? Yeah. Do you... So you have memories of the times you're out when you faint? Sort of. I, I, It's not like specific memories, but it's like a vague recollection of where I went. And it's always like whenever I'm shaken out of it, I'm always really disappointed to be back. Okay. Like I wanted to – because where I was was so cool. And it's so, as if but- like a lot of things are happening in a short amount of time. But in my brain, it it like I've, I feel like I'm gone for so long. And then I come right. back and I'm like, how long was I out for? And they're like, three seconds. Sure, sure, sure. But why say faint as opposed to – because you're also kind of just describing a dream state. What is it about the Dreaming is fainting? different. Sleeping is very different. Um, I think I don't go as deep and as far when I sleep. I think oh. fainting is so involuntary that like my mm. brain releases like so much control. Okay. And I think I'm always trying to hold on to some control. You know, like dreams – Dreams feel more tied to reality than where I go when I pass out. Okay. Do you do pass out a lot? So yeah, I do. I have a blood pressure disorder where like sometimes Mm. it can drop very quickly. And I, I, so I'm, I'm prone to fainting. Okay. I've also had one of those goats. Yeah. Oh shit. (laughs) And, and having a seizure feels, well, different seizures feel different. It's been a long time since I've had one, but, um, it's it's a similar it can be a similar thing of like oh i've explored a new i'm i'm in a different dimension Whoa. Sort of what it feels like damn so there is a pleasant feeling to being in a seizure the types that you experience yeah coming out of it is awful but yeah in right it right is right like pretty cool Whoa. do you take meds for it not anymore i had okay. to when i was a kid yeah so in terms of exploring the universe, that these those are the sort of like preliminary questions, just sort of like <laughs> logistical stuff I was interested in. But in, in terms of exploring, is it like living lives in different places or is it more of a zooming around observing sort of situation? I don't know. It might be both. Okay. Did you ever watch Ghost Rider? Yeah, <laughs> whoa. Yes, totally. I loved Ghost Rider. I think yeah, me too. I I think it might be like that. I mean, obviously like like the the like he like or she whatever the ghost is like gets to like zoom and like communicate still, but is sort of an ethereal being. Yeah, what not, is the not not confined to a body, right? But like a sort right. of a and like sometimes is present and sometimes isn't where you're like, where were you when you weren't here? And I think uh-huh. sort of. Okay. 
what remind what was the premise of Ghost Rider? Um, it was that these kids would basically solve crimes and I don't or like goings on in their community through the help of a ghost that would help them by scrambling the letters that were accessible to give them clues. Right, 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 right. It was it it was such a cool like what if we made a show to help kids read? Right. But also like I don't know. It was just it was and like we'll mix in some true crime. Right. Had a cool like mystery element to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you would okay, I get what you're saying. Your your ideal universe to hover through after death is one in which you're not just like as if you were reincarnated on some new planet and live out a full life. It's something where you would want the freedom of motion to go from one place to the next. Yeah. And not just place, but also like time. Sure. 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 Is it, does it involve, does it matter if there are other like sentient beings there? I think so. I think I want there to be other sentient beings. I don't want to just be alone. Okay. It's not just like a sort of, uh, Omnimax movie of like a cool landscape, but it happens to be the universe. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that like when, when I imagine like peace, it's usually like the night sky and like being in it is usually what I, where I go. You know, if I'm trying to, um, not meditate, I guess, because when you meditate, the idea is to be like incredibly present. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I fail at meditating, but mm-hmm. I still feel mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like imagining like the planets and the stars. Okay. I think there's something incredibly like terrifying and the most comforting in like imagining the universe. Yeah, for me, it's very terrifying. The idea of space, yeah. But I think did you grow up with like because you grew up in Lexington, Mm -hmm. Kentucky? Kentucky, yeah. Every every state has a Lexington. (laughs) (laughs) But but you went but in Lexington. Yeah. Are the lights bright enough in Lexington to make the sky shitty? Or did you still get a bunch of lights, like sky lights in the sky when you were stars, (laughs) I guess they're called. We got stars. When you were (laughs) when you were a kid. Yeah, we had stars. Um, I it's one of those things that I think I took for granted a lot growing up. And now whenever I go back from New York, I'm just like, oh shit, there's so many stars in the sky. Yeah. And I get really excited when there's like a meteor shower that coincides because you can you can see it. Whoa. Is that part of it? Is is it some like elemental childhood thing that feels safe about it? I I don't think it's that. I think like definitely as a kid, like this space was cool. I think space is cool for most kids. Yeah. And I think I just never really grew out of it. I just 
like started smoking weed and was like, this is even cooler. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I, I loved a planetarium. I loved like, I also love being like cozy which obviously like space is the opposite of cozy. It's Mm -hmm. infinite and like Mm -hmm. not confining at all. But I think I do tie looking up at the sky with like being wrapped under a blanket. Yeah, I get that. Like physicalizing it almost like Mm -hmm. really seeing the like curve of the sky or something like that. Yeah. Have you, Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen it? Like been, been in a place so clear that you can see like the curve of the earth. Mm hmm. I don't know. I might have, but not to my memory. It's very cool. When you're just like, oh, yeah, the earth is round. (laughs) Right, right. It sounds so basic, but it's very cool. Or have you ever been somewhere where you could, it's so, um, this, we couldn't see where I grew up, but when I would go to like my friend's farms, um, you can see like the Milky Way. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Have you ever seen that? I think, yeah, I think I have. I grew up in Oklahoma, so it was like, um, yeah, there was stuff like that for sure. Which is kind of crazy that people thought the earth was flat for so long because there was so much less stuff then. So how did you not see the curve and go, well, maybe it's at least curved at the edges. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. Well, and I wonder, did they think that it was a square? Or did they think it was just a two-dimensional circle? You know what I mean? Like a flat circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good question. Maybe that's it. They thought it was a flat circle. Okay. I don't know. There's an answer. So, you know, <laughs> they wrote it all down. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to relive one memory. You get to pick one memory that in your afterlife functions almost like a room that you can pop into whenever you want, however many times you want, but you only get to pick one. And it's not like your other memories are wiped. It's just that this one you get to fully drop down into and relive, but you have to pick one. Hmm. What is that? I don't know. That's, um, it's very difficult to answer that question. Because I guess, like, really what you're asking is, like, what's my most cherished memory? Not necessarily. There could be a lot of reasons that you – and I and I really want to, like, de-emphasize the importance on – I want to force you to choose, but I don't want to force a hierarchy necessarily. I'm more interested mm-hmm. in what comes up than, like – you truly scouring your entire back catalog and being like, this is the greatest hit. <laughs> you know, like I want you to, I think I think if I'm really analyzing it, which might be defeating the point a little bit, but what I think the question really is, is what are the things that in this moment you value most? Because some people have solo uh-huh. memories. Some people have memories with big groups sometimes the groups are strangers sometimes they're friends sometimes they're family sometimes mm-hmm. they're vacations strange places sometimes they're very familiar places so i hope i i hope i'm helping narrow down rather than like adding new variables in. yeah i think um i don't 
it's it's hard. I think I'm like answering this question as if like I'm trying to choose the memory as if like I am genuinely tied to this. And like one day when I yeah. die, they'll be like, this is what you said yeah. 40 years ago. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, in this moment, you're tied to it, but not like forever of all time. So in this moment, the memory that I would choose uh, is my dog who died a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be when she would. Th- and I, I don't know if I have like a spe- an exact specific, but this anytime she would get a bath, which she hated um afterwards she would throw her whole body into the towel and she would just like wiggle around and it always made me and my husband laugh like it was it was always so funny to just watch her like desperation to be dry and like roll around and flop around and she just looked like she looked like she was having fun doing it too like it was like she loved a towel the feel of a towel um and hated being wet so I think it would be that if I could just go into a room and watch my dog dry herself off um, and like I could help her. Like that's what I would want right now. But it's also right. because like her death is still like pretty raw for me. Yeah. Yeah. And like I've been like I get really excited. It's only happened twice, but I've been having like I get so excited when I have a dream that she's in because I get to like hang out with her. So I think I just like really miss my dog. Yeah. <laughs> right <now>. Bamford, right? <laughs> yeah. And she, what are the dreams that she's in? Um. So the the last two that I I mean I I don't like exactly remember the last one was like she like I mean she was like a young pup like she she was like three years old or whatever yeah or at least like that's how she was acting and she had just like run around outside in the mud and then came inside and was like you know real like sweet and and in this one she like wanted to get into the pool which like she never did in real life she hit it okay. wet. but that was the that was the dream and it was just like fun to hang out with her and in the towel drying situation were you it sounded like you're just setting the towel down and she's like diving into it so i would do both i would set up on her bed we'd put towels down and okay. then also when she would come out of the tub, I would like be ready with a towel also to like dry her and she would like throw her whole body into me. Okay. Um, and then she would come running out into the living room and she would throw her body onto the bed and like wiggle around. And then I would come over with the other towel and like, you know, like rub her down, like rub her mm-hmm, belly and stuff, mm-hmm. and, like wrap her up like a little, like a little nun. <laughs> <laughs> but cute. yeah, did she... So is it like she immediately forgot about the the discomfort of the bath? Yeah, she just wanted she just wanted to be dry. But she also yeah. loved the feel of a towel. Yeah. Does it matter if your husband is there or not? It's in ideal. The I'd like him to be there. <laughs> okay. Okay. To. Um Yeah, I think I think that's the that's the one. I assume you've already answered all these questions too on your podcast because I want to know yeah. what your answer is too. I did a cu- I did a couple um um a, a couple episodes ago. I had some friends um who are friends and comedians and like the podcast. Ask they wanted to ask me all the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I have answered okay the questions. I won't, I won't make you answer. I'll just go listen to it. <laughs> yeah, this is that's why I have people on the podcast. <laughs> trying to increase liner, listenership one week at a time. Um 
but yeah, but no, the the one that I came up with, I like intentionally tried not to like pre-plan it, but it was like a it was like a friend's in New York actually memory, um, which I felt a little bit guilty about that it wasn't like with Hope, my partner. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> like like that feels like a betrayal somehow. Um, but Have yeah, you asked it's funny. What's hers? No, no, I haven't. I'm afraid to find out. I'm sure it doesn't involve me. I'm sure it's some like solo. She's like putting her feet in the dirt and just like looking at some beautiful plant life and feeling connected to the earth. And yeah, I'm nowhere to be found probably. <laughs> um, but Does that she, hurt your but, feelings? No, no, no. It's good. It's good. Um, but it's funny because normally when I ask people this question, there's – and I'm going to say more there, but only in terms of details. I don't think I've ever had someone give this might, this might be like the shortest (laughs) in time memory and, and smallest in terms of props and input. There's really like a room, maybe three maximum. It sounds like towels. Yeah, three times. Bamford and you and your husband. And it's yeah. and the and her bed. the her bed. Okay, okay. Yeah, but still very like few inputs and it's very clear like why you would want to go back to that moment. So it's just yeah, it's just interesting cuz I can totally imagine wanting to go to a moment like that. Yeah, and and I think I it's it's like if you're asking me like what am I craving at the moment? It's like that's what I that's like you know what like if that's really the essence of this question is like what memory do you like hold right now? Like what what do you want to be dropped back into? And again, like this will ch- like I know this answer would change if you yeah. ask me in three years. If you ask yeah. me when I have my next dog, like this would be a different answer, I'm sure. Yeah. It might not even be dog related, but because <laughs> sure. because that's the thing that is like the biggest hole in my heart right now. Like mm-hmm. that's the answer. Yeah, that's so that's such a good point that it is about when you're answering it while you're alive, kind of taking half a step back from the from the premise. Right. It's about what you're craving. It's not necessarily a distillation of your whole life. It's what's kind of missing. Yeah. What's your coma? In the sense of, you know, I was in this coma. I don't think it needs to be some grandiose thing. It could be super mundane. But a moment where before you were one version of yourself and after you became different. Mm. Well, in my, I think I have two, can I give you two answers? One for childhood and one for adulthood? Sure, sure. Great. For childhood, and these are two like traumatic experiences. I'm realizing. Hell I yeah! Guess what, what what is what's your coma other than what's your traumatic experience? What's your fucking you? damage, bro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I was five, I had septic hip, 
which was, I mean, it, I went into sepsis um, caused by like, basically what happened was I would get ear infections all the time as a kid. And like, it was like the second I went off antibiotics, it would come back. Um, and then I, I developed a limp and like was, I, I like, on my left side, like was in like pain, but I was also learning how to ride a bike. So my parents just thought it was from that and it got worse and worse. And then one day I just couldn't get up and I like had a raging fever and it turned out that I, they think that my ear infections basically like became antibiotic resistant and were so strong and then traveled the infection traveled down to my hip and nested there. And I, I know it's like really gross. And then, became septic um i don't know why i'm imagining like pus traveling you know what i mean like it's that's not even what bacteria is but that's how i'm imagining it yeah i mean i think it's like honestly probably grosser than pus like if you imagine like a septic tank like that's essentially what my hip had turned into right and it's something that's like usually seen in like geriatric patients um so I ended up like having emergency surgery. I was in the hospital for a week when I was five. And then I missed the end of kindergarten. I was on crutches for like six months. Uh, maybe it wasn't six months. Maybe it was like three or four months. Um, I like just like turned into like, I was like a normal, healthy five-year-old. And then suddenly like I wasn't. Yeah, And I think like, being in the hospital for that long, um, missing a lot of school, I like sort of became like much more aware of death at a very young age and like um, aware that like being a kid did not protect me from mortality. And at the same time, I remember having an epiphany that nobody is perfect like because I had this limp because I was like oh, now sure, I'm sure, it's sure. like sounds so basic, but it no. was just very like oh. And at the same time, my class, my kindergarten class was reading Charlotte's Web, and that was given to me. And because I had nothing else to do, I ended up like memorizing the book. And Whoa. Charlotte's Web is also essentially a book about mortality. Right. Um, it's a book about like sacrificing oneself for somebody else or like protecting somebody from their own death. Yeah. And recognizing what makes you special, but also recognizing that that doesn't mean that your loved ones won't die. <laughs> like that's yeah. Charlotte's web. So I think like that was a, my coma as a child. Damn. And you remember, cause I'm trying to remember memories I have from being five, but you, it sounds like this is pretty vivid that you can like, picture certain images from that time it's pretty i mean it was really physically painful right so i think that sticks out um also uh, it like some of this could be like false memories because like sure, this is a story sure, that sure. Gets told in my family right i like remember when ariel <laughs> almost died <laughs> yeah 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 did you can you still recite any of Charlotte's way? No. Okay. Okay. Convenient. 
but I still You're like I had the whole whole works of Shakespeare memorized, man. <laughs> I did. It's I lost it now, but it definitely had it. Yeah, well, because there were only like three movies on tape available at the hospital. Like it was not a children's <laughs> hospital. Do you remember? Uh, so Charlotte's Web was one. So so Charlotte, no. So I only had the book. Oh, um, oh, oh, okay. The, the movies, City Slickers, which I watched okay. over and over again. Uh-huh. And the only other movie was Secret Garden, not the cartoon version, the live action version. And I don't know if you remember that, but it starts with the little girl waking up and going downstairs and seeing her entire family and all of their guests dead at the dinner table. <laughs> and I burst into tears as soon as that happened. Because again, I had just come to terms with my own death. Well, but had you if you're crying at that? <laughs> and so I, I like, my mom was like, okay, we can't watch this. We can't watch yeah. this. <laughs> Wait, you said three though. What was the other what was the third one? It might have just been two. Oh, I, I or maybe it just, was City Slickers one and two. It might have been. I don't remember. I just remember <laughs> multiple like, City Slickers. I just know that I really see Billy Crystal as a father. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, wow. Okay, wait. What's the adult one? The adult one is um, basically when I was, I had just graduated college. I was in like a pretty abusive relationship, and sort of like hid every I mean I had already sort of like had a tendency to like not be forthcoming with anything that was bothering me and as evidenced by the fact that I was only taken to the hospital with a hip infection when I couldn't get up anymore (laughs) nobody knew that I was in a lot of pain yeah and that's sort of been a tendency throughout my whole life is to just like hide my pain and um at some, so everything like sort of came to a head. We like got into this huge, very violent fight over Thanksgiving at my parents' house and like neighbors got involved and like told my parents and my mom is a licensed social worker. So she like, my family essentially like had an intervention for me wow. and um, I it was very it was like very cool to see my mom in action and like see how good she was at her job. Like she really like took off her mom hat and put on her social worker hat. Cause mm. she knew that's what I needed. Um, and I think after that I became much more open with them and in general with everybody and myself about like, how am I actually feeling? What is actually bothering me? And I think that fundamentally changed me. Because okay. I realized I had to be like he. I think if he and I had stayed together, he would have ended up like killing me at some point. Um, wow! So I think like realizing how much trouble I had gotten myself into by hiding my pain from other people made me like open up my pain. So open in the sense. So that was the immediate end of that relationship. Uh, not immediate. We like stayed together for maybe like two more weeks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then i was like i'm done right just to make him throw him off the scent that it was because of the intervention like no it's something else no i wish it was that i mean it was. <laughs> <laughs> no i just think I, it's so interesting how that shit is not it's like never clean it's like you you know you have the intervention no. it's like uh, give, i'll give this two more weeks well my mom was like 
my mom was like, look, if you guys are going to stay together, here's what you need to do. Mm, okay. And it was like, shoot. I mean, it was also like things like life was messy. Like we were living together. We had mm-hmm, this dog together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we both did comedy together. Like our lives were so like intertwined right. and codependent that to like extrapolate myself was like very difficult. And I had been totally isolated from my friends and family. So like I was like, well, if I if I leave, I am completely alone. And I think sure. having that that Thanksgiving with my parents made me realize like one, I'm not completely alone, right? Like right. my parents, my family will always have my back. Yeah. But also like I am alone not because of like what I have done, but because of like what he and I have done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so what were the ways that you were like, how did you go from not being open to like practicing openness? It took a long time because after we broke up, I was like in such a state of depression and like the depression took the form of complete numbness. Mm -hmm. So first I like had to access my feelings. I had to like figure out how to feel anything. And I started with like the most accessible feelings to me, which were like feelings of like despair (laughs) Mm -hmm. and feeling disturbed. Yeah. So I, um, like I watched the bridge. Oh Uh, shit. That documentary about the jumpers from the mm -hmm. golden gate bridge. Jesus. And I listened, this is so fucked up. I listened to, um, nine one one calls from nine (laughs) eleven. How did you, how did you get in touch with your emotions to get more emotionally available? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Where did they have these? Um, YouTube. Jesus. Okay. So you're doing this. And as I, I mean, I, it's so fucked up, but like it did allow me to feel, it allowed me to feel shocked. It allowed me to feel like mm. upset. And like I hadn't been able to feel anything. So as I was like able to feel more, I was able to like, recognize the feeling and it like I just like it was like I was just so desperate like I was like I remember being happy before I hope to one day feel that again Mm -hmm. and I think it just like came from like a true place of desperation of like well hiding everything in hasn't been helping yeah so maybe I should tell my mom that I'm like feeling bad you know and like tell my brother like things are hard and as i did that and like opened back up to people both new and old like people who had been in my life and people who were like entering my life it was just like the barriers had come down and i was just like throwing everything out there yeah which also then i had to learn how to like put some barriers back Mm -hmm, up and like rein it back mm -hmm, in a little bit (laughs) mm -hmm. but uh yeah Fuck. It almost sounds like a program of like assignments that you gave yourself of like, I'm going to listen to these fucking 911 calls. I'm going to start sharing more with people. Like, how did you get to the point where you were 
experiencing like not just the most dark black emotions. It sounds so cheesy, but like stand up helped a lot. Yeah. Um, How though? Because I would go on stage and like if I I could if I could figure out a way to like turn that despair into a punchline and Mm. like make somebody else laugh like that is infectious, right? Like that the feeling of making somebody laugh is like to me the best feeling in the world. So that would like trigger a little bit of serotonin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And just slowly, gradually like climbing out of it. Right. I don't know. I'm sure there's a healthier way to do it. I'm sure like therapy would have been super helpful. <laughs> right, right, right. But I, I wasn't, I was still like, I still want to do everything myself. Well, and it's so interesting too, because like the standard way people think about like stand up as therapy is just like oversharing on stage, but you're actually like, doing the craft of stand-up to, you know, you're like, actually like, no, actually the uh, succeeding at actually doing this well and correctly is what makes me feel better. Not just like dumping and, and then being snarling at the audience when they like didn't applaud my sad <laughs> revelation. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting. I I'm realizing now I had the, a similar attitude of like when I, um, when I was like, I I have been happy before. I feel like I know I'm not now, but I think I could get to that feeling again. With stand-up at the time, I was like, I know I'm bad at this, but I mm-hmm. feel like I could be good. Yeah. And it's that same sort of track of like, just keep going, just keep trying different things and something eventually will crack open. That's so what it reminds me of that. Do you know that Ira Glass, like that like little two minute, like Ira Glass quote or like YouTube video they turned the like taste About thing taste, yeah. yeah it's that but it's with emotions of like I've yeah. you know in a twisted way you're like I've experienced happiness I have a taste for mm-hmm. happiness I'm bad at happiness and satisfaction right now I just need to live and go on and try to be open to things until I slowly become better at happiness. Yeah. yeah. And I would get these little glimmers of it. And I was like, ooh, that was it. And then it would go away. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's like working out. You're like, okay, like if I just keep working on this, like I think I'll be able to hold on to it for longer. Is that what working out's like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, okay. So we're done with all the like heaviest stuff. What was heavy um, about that? <laughs> <laughs> that is the show. Thank you so much for listening. Find Ariel at all of those links in the show notes. Follow me at the links. Support me and this podcast at Patreon. That link's also in the show notes. Tell people you know. Tell people you love. Cut the people you hate out of your life. Get them out of there. Keep the ones you love and make it all people who listen to this podcast. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. You can do them. Have faith. You are human. Only human. And human beings, they do miracles.
คือ